Hello and welcome to the D&D Brief. This is the first episode where we're talking about the other first episode of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and Science. My name's Simon and I'm joined by our cast of players and our DM, Ali. Oh, hi. <laughs> so that was I was throwing the ball to you, Ali. <laughs> Straight to the oh, face. Bang. <laughs> oh, yeah. He gets to right again. No, don't throw it. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. I'm on it. Uh, yes, that's me. The DM, um, 100% ready to feel those awkward ball throws. Look, it's uh, been, yeah, it's been hot. It's, it's been hay fever. No hot. one's been sleeping so well. We're, we're all oh tired. My God. The heat. Uh, thank, thankfully, some rain has come, so hopefully we are not going to be quite as out of it as we otherwise would be. Uh, but yes, we also have the two other players with me. Uh, so, Emily, do you want to say hi? Hello. And Anything else? You are sorry. That's my bad, uh, Emily. And who is your character? Are we doing intros? Like, what's happening? I, I play Infinite Sky six thousand serial number. No, no, that's um, not. And uh... also not today. You don't because today we're not not yeah, doing the Yeah, but in know? in the show, I play the other show. That that's the show that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Charmaine, Charmaine, that, was, you that was your voice. I just heard. <laughs> Who was there? Yes, it's me. Well, on the other show, I played Tenebris, who's a sort of drow sorcerer type person. Um, but here, not that we would um, know this. No. Well, it, it's I, I was trying to keep it a secret, but it didn't work. Anyway, <laughs> today I shall be playing Charmini Bundell. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, she sounds great. <laughs> She's yeah, I'm really looking yeah. forward to telling you. Tell us about this Charmini Bundell. What's that? <laughs> yeah, what's what going on there? What powers does she have? She multi-classes as a broadcaster Superpowers. and scientist. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes. nice well, nice for those of you who, run with who perhaps have stumbled across this or you just haven't seen this yet we have a website <laughs> and uh, we also Indeed. have our character sheets uh, as players so uh, not the characters but us as individuals so if you'd like to learn a bit more about what we do outside of this show uh, then you can uh, check out rpgeeks.co.uk is that correct Co.uk, yeah. yeah it has got their actual serious introductions as to like who we are and not exactly our qualifications, but you know, hi, we are actual real science people. Um, it, it does say so on the website. You know, yeah, we it. should put that into our introductions more because it, it's quite. Well, yeah, it, it could <laughs> no, be mistaken for do. people who clearly aren't that. But well, you say we don't know what to do. <laughs> that's only if we get it wrong. Don't, don't let on. I'm saying it would be a mistake for someone to think that, but an easy mistake. Folks, we really should have planned this. That's what I thought. Nah. We did. This is the <laughs> we came up with. <laughs> This is it. It's going perfectly, so Charmaine. So I don't know what the Having problem is. A lovely time. <laughs> so the, the plan, because we have a plan, uh, yeah, the plan do. for today is to have a chat about a couple of topics that came out, uh, came up, sorry, in the episode last week. Um, uh, Ali, do, do, could you give a very brief recap yep. of what happened in the D&D session last week? Yeah, so last week was the opening session. So uh, we kind of met the world first off so this uh this universe where humanity has spread out across the stars where uh the alliance has been formed which is uh, all the different systems um the human controlled systems uh, sort of across the galaxy uh, and the armada obviously obviously the armada is its um sort of uh, military wing and then we came to our home planet Brax- braxigantu which is where we met our characters our three characters and <laughs> The whole adventure began with those three Dabbing. touching down Stop. in a shuttle. Um, <laughs> wait, <laughs> touching down in a shuttle um, 
on the outskirts, way outside the, the crater rim in, in these mountains, the McGinty Mountains. Uh, and the, our, our three characters, they, they got into a bit of a tussle early doors you got um, into a tussle don't make this out like we fat looks for trouble you stabbed me I, yeah. I, I, man was I, stabbed on braxigantu mm-hmm. who's to blame yes, no one could exactly really say. mistakes were made and people got stabbed and na- but then you got out of it by well you met someone who got you out of it really uh, a mysterious person mysterious woman uh, who took you out into this kind of beautiful well it's just a mysterious forested clearing and and took you to meet uh, someone else the, the head of the colony and that's where we left it so so far you three have met i uh, do you think well yeah yeah yeah. i'll let you guys introduce your characters if you want like tell a bit more about them but if it's relevant to the science anyway so yeah that's that's where we're at in the game so it's still early doors, basically. Um, we don't. We, we had one event that was a particular bit of science that we would like to talk about. But uh, with the, the two topics that we sort of, in the bonus action uh, that we had after the role playing action, uh, we we sort of decided that we wanted to talk a bit about the setting, uh, the sort of sci fi setting that we find ourselves in, uh, the galaxy at large, basically, not specifically Braxigantu. Um and something that happened with uh, Emily's character, which. You said that we should do that second. So should we hold fire on that? We want to tease people. We want to, we want to say, give them a tease. You know, what are we going to be talking tease about people. later? Quickly, Emily. Um, quickly. Um, so my character is a terraforming droid. Not I'm scary. Listening. She means that she performs terraforming. <laughs> Ter- terraforming. Um, that was awful. Sorry. Um, and so, yeah, I think we might we might touch on a little bit of terraforming later on and you know a bit well i think one of the things that we will eventually discuss in the show is kind of how we justify the powers that we are using basically um and that was something which we did a little bit last week and we'll probably come back to but like i say because it's still quite early in um in the show and hopefully it's long illustrious run that ends up with a you know book deal cinema sure. all that kind of stuff it's still early on basically with us uh, going to the cinema that yeah. we could that could be achieved <laughs> yeah uh, definitely uh, music i really should have shot movies. higher i should have aimed for like the moon <laughs> not the odeon it's <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, first, first up, the, the 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 discussion point that we thought we'd kick off with was the kind of the setting, the world, um, and we met the characters after. Well, was it interstellar travel that we were coming off of Ali, or was it within Braxigan? No, that wasn't. Yeah, um, space noise. I think. Well, you guys would know. It, it, it's. Uh, it was that i mean you were in a pretty janky old shuttle you know the smell of oil there was you know sparks so th- that thing would not have made it into space or it could have made, made it into space everybody would have died and then the thing would have exploded so th- that yeah, was not a space going hard enough <laughs> but you're totally right that you know people had to get to braxigantu initially mm. so you know how does that happen can that happen but i mean more more significantly our universe um is 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 future this universe right so um all everyone we've met so far is humans and the idea is that humans have colonized places braxigantu is not a planet in our solar system therefore we have interstellar travel yeah uh, at some point in the future yeah, yeah. how's that yeah. Uh, yeah question is yeah how is that how? a thing could that be a thing is that <laughs> yeah. is it already a thing how? has what? someone just i've not got the memo we... 
Well, because I think I think the the fundamental thing we're asking here is yeah, like even with future technology, is it possible or is it conceivable? Not even necessarily it's possible, but is it conceivable that humans would travel between st- the different star systems? Uh, and this is something that Ali and I went away and did a little bit of research on. Um, so I I actually didn't know this. I, I actually had to look this up. Um, you- what do you think the average separation is between stars in our galaxy? Ooh. In our Jesus. In what? Know, in what number? <laughs> in like human yeah. deaths? Light years? Like what? No, yeah, light years. Deaths. Uh, Ali, okay, what, what metric sounds... are you working to? I've been looking through some pretty dark stuff for this particular thing. So, <laughs> so the sun is eight light minutes away from yeah. Earth. One eight. How how far is a how far is a light year? Like, is that beyond? Oh, I really hope you wouldn't ask me that. Um... But like, I don't have a concept actually of what light years. Think... I know that number. I mean, I used to know that. I'm going to Google it. Can exactly. I Google? Am I allowed to Google? Yeah, yes, I think I think a lot of googling is going to happen during. Isn't Alpha Centauri 3.4 light years away? If I yeah. just made that out, it's it's a little bit less than four light years away. Damn, Ali. Right, it's right. given it to me in meters. I can't. <laughs> so if that's our closest <laughs> sun, a lot. But well, then no, it, our it, closest it, sun which... is our sun. Um, it's the sun to our sun. Okay, so but then, <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh, you're totally right. The be- I'm technically correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that from? Uh, Future. Yes, I, I think. Okay, I've it got is one light the year. best kind of correct. One light year is apparently about five point eight eight trillion miles, which is one hundred and fifty thousand astronomical units. I think. That sounds and that's the distance right. between the sun and the earth, right? That's, yeah, yeah. The, one astronomical unit is the difference between the sun and the earth, which is, uh, I thought that was about 1.5 something. About 1. 150 5, million kilometers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, wait, so your question, Simon, was what's the average distance between stars, not what's yeah. like... Oh, Trick no. question. Because as you get closer that's to the center of the galaxy, they get more and more clustered, don't they? So yes. we're in the kind of backwaters where things are a bit far away. The unfashionable spiral arm of the galaxy. We are, we're on the edge. So, um, I, yeah, I, I was looking this up and um, I learned a bunch of stuff that even though I've been a space nut for quite a while, this is very much my my jam. Um, a lot of stuff that I didn't know uh, before. So, uh, like we said, it's Sol, as we kind of technically call our sun, uh, to Alpha Centauri is about four light years. The typical distance between adjacent stars in the Milky Way is about five light years. So in the kind of the galactic plane, sort of that the, where we are, the unfashionable bit, it's about five light years. So it's actually we're kind of lucky that we're clo- a little bit closer than average to another star system. Um, but in the galactic core, as you say, Ali, that separation shrinks um, at the center of the galaxy. The average separation between stars is zero point zero four light years. Oh, so about hundred times mean... closer together, basically. Yeah. Well, what does that mean that their their nighttime Ooh. sort of sky looks like? Do they have the same sort of starry sky as we do, or is oh, it sort it, of like it, a it'd be a lot more intense? And there was another galaxy which I didn't write down the Messier number, um, where they worked out that the the center of the galaxy was so dense that the starlight would be about the same as twilight here on Earth. Whoa. Which, Whoa. What's a Messier number? I, I thought you meant a number that like was quite messy. Yeah, so like M41, M31. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's like the but thing that, that you designate a galaxy convention. with. Uh, uh, who? Me- oh, this is probably my terrible... Mr. Messier. Mr. You know Messier, him. you must have. The galaxy yeah. guy. 
they seemed like just one dude. Yeah, it's, it's named after Charles Messier. <laughs> oh, Messier is probably how you're supposed to pronounce it because it's, it's French, like mayonnaise. Um, so, uh, oh, he's actually, wow, he was uh, active earlier than I thought he was. He was born in 1730. Um, wow, and he so active. published a astronomical catalogue consisting of 110 nebula and star clusters, which became known as the Messier objects, and then we just sort of stuck with that as a system. So it'd be like Messier okay. object 5462, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I mean when I say Messier number. But yeah, there, there are other galaxies that would be even more densely packed. But here was the thing that I thought was really interesting, was that um, you, you, presumably you are familiar with the idea of a Goldilocks zone, right? Uh, around a star so there's a region in which you're close enough that there'll be liquid water on the surface of the planet but not uh, and meaning that it won't be gas and it won't be frozen solid um but there is a similar concept for entire galaxies but it's not oh. to do with water um there is basically uh this idea called galactic a galactic habitable zone which is like a goldilocks zone but around the bulge of a, a galaxy because there's two reasons basically firstly um in the center of the galaxy the, the stars are so close together that there there's basically lots of different things that stars give off but particularly uh high energy radiation um that would mean biological life would be very unlikely to develop dead in the Ooh. center of a galaxy because it would be a hostile environment for dna um, so on that often lot of black like isn't there normally a black hole in the middle of the galaxy in the dead center yeah but i mean even even in that bulge around the that's the supermassive black hole there are just so many stars that there are uh there's a list here that you have far more frequent local supernova gamma ray bursts Mm. huge Mm. amount of radiation Mm. and you can even get so it's just a radiation thing a mostly radiation thing but also the outer edge of the galaxy is hypothesized to be in, inhospitable because there are too few uh, uh, was well, too little of certain elements that you need in order to produce life partly for the biology so like carbon and silicon and oxygen but also stuff like um uh, iron for terrestrial planet cores because you right. need certain materials to form the core of a terrestrial oh. planet why Hmm. why aren't they there because i think i think it's basically formed in stars and they are but if you think about the fact as as galaxies spin on their axis that's the the distribution of elements by how heavy they are will be tied to the rotation rate yeah that makes sense so it's it's you mean only the you mean the light ones are getting flung out further whereas the heavy ones sort of stay in the middle or in the near the center i think i think that was correct yeah i think i think the problem is that you're lacking the heavier elements as you go further and further out. So between those two factors, there's like an annulus, there's like a donut around the center of the galaxy where you, you can actually find uh, life. Or, well, rather, because we have one data point, which is Earth. Um, it's mm-hmm. hypothesized that you're more likely to find life. But all, the, all, all this stuff, I, I'd never come across before, which... Does that mean that you can, that if you go into, you go out of your annulus and into the center, then you... Um... You you start to find planets that are built of like of of all these kind of crazy rare metals and like there's just huge quantities of gold and platinum and stuff crashing around. I would presume so. Um, I have a friend who probably awesome. be able to tell us about that. But I, but I think part of the problem is that um, what we a lot of what we know about exoplanets comes from stellar spectroscopy. So the light that comes from stars you can tell about a planet's atmosphere, for example, if it passes in front of the starlight and then the atmosphere absorbs certain wavelengths. But that's a problem if your galactic core is so dense that there's going to be starlight from 
however many thousands or millions of stars all streaming through at the same time. So I, I, I would guess that that is correct, but I feel like it'd be very difficult to actually know that for sure because it'd be so difficult to to observe it. Uh, right. Oops. You go, Bates. No, I, was, I was saying, ooh, was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going, ooh, how interesting. Um, I don't have a question. Well, the thing, like, I'm hoping that's something Sorry. that we do frequently in, during this, though, because, like, even though we are all, we've all got higher degrees in science, like, we all still do that sometimes. You're like, ooh, that's cool. Are we- are we saying there could be a planet, like, on the edge that could just be, sorry, sorry, closer into the centre that's just made of, like, heavy metals? Potentially. Um... Like a gold planet. I mean, the more esoteric ones that I've heard of have been stuff like p potentially diamond planets. I've heard of diamond planets. Because it's carbon, but under planets. a huge amount of pressure, basically. Yeah. Ooh, diamond planet. Um, but, uh... Ali, can we go to a diamond planet? Yeah, can we get some sound design What are you going to do planet? there? I want to bring this back around to our, our like, <laughs> universe and, and sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was like, I was like, yes, do it. And, and, and humans spreading, <laughs> spreading through the, the um, cosmos um, and how far they'd have to go. But but I, I feel like the, the basic sort of question of sci-fi that kind of divides science fiction into two camps is, is there faster than light travel or not? Mm, like, yes. are people taking five years to go to that sun or... I mean, at current speeds, what, hundreds of years. Right. So I looked. I looked into this because this is something that uh, I found fascinating. The whole concept of interstellar travel has always been like, again, a, a subset of my jam. Um, so the fastest that we've ever hypothesized that we could go with current technology is uh, using nuclear pulse propulsion. So that's basically building a spacecraft with a giant shield behind it and then detonating nuclear devices one after another and you push yourself on the shockwaves great i mean all rockets are anyways controlled explosions with you sat on top of them so yeah that does know, not sound controlled just, it's right? just an extra it's just an extra layer of that uh and uh, kind of Whoa. rather grandiloquently they called it project daedalus which i do i love as a name um <laughs> but it, it is in breach of um uh I ancient think greek the, copyright laws no i think it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that definitely um i i think it's the 1963 space outer space treaty that like you're explicitly prohibited from having nuclear weapons in space oh shit really that's cool i didn't um, know that glad that they covered sure. that early on yeah. presumably they were just like you know this was in the height of the cold war and they were writing the treaty and they were just like uh, um sure make them in space even. should we say space too like we don't know the americans are doing crazy stuff right now um so, so yeah. Okay. So how so long if would you... that take? Right. Yeah. So the the fastest the fastest speed possible Sorry. that they um uh, they thought would, would that would probably happen was about a tenth of the speed of light. Oh, that's quite. Can I ask a question? Must yes. Ask a question. Yes, Ali. <laughs> All right. If you if you've got a sh if you got a, yeah okay fine a shit right and you stick a bomb on the back of it right and then you blow that bomb up. What kind of acceleration are you going to get into the yeah. ship? Like, how fast is that going to happen? So I don't have figures, but what the problem is, obviously, is that that would be a very short, sharp shock of acceleration. So you, the, I think the idea with Daedalus was that you basically had a shield effectively on springs so that you distributed <sighs> the the shock wave would, like, push into the spacecraft. So it's not zero G to 
five million g of acceleration in like a you know a nanosecond or whatever it is uh but i, I don't have figures for what the acceleration would be um i i there because might that, actually be figures out there but because that's, that's kind of well because i looked into a bit of this sort of stuff not a lot of it but um that's sort of crucial for the living aspect of it if you've got living stuff on it you can't accelerate too quickly because otherwise yeah. everybody dies um i think and a lot of the technologies that have been discussed for interstellar travel are, ba are based on this idea of relatively slow acceleration over a long period of time rather than what we currently do which is bucket loads of acceleration at the start and then you you kind of coast um obviously it's you have to get out of atmosphere and you have to you know have to reach escape velocity so you do have to have a certain amount of rapid acceleration but yeah generally these technologies but pulse propulsion is a bit of a weird one i think because it's kind of your idea of slow acceleration is like, oh, let's pop a nuke out of the back every 20 minutes as opposed to like, you know, 15 every second or whatever. But also like the nuke, like your first nuke, right? You're going to, that's a quite a, there's a reasonably fast acceleration. But by the time you've emptied out all your nukes and on your last nuke, right? That one's really going to kick you on the bum. Well, it depends how much, if you think about like the density of energy uh, or energy density, as some people would say, of that as a fuel, it's it's actually really high because the nuclear warhead doesn't actually weigh that much for how much energy it translates because it's not a chemical reaction it's a nuclear reaction so you know comparing the amount of energy that you get out of detonating it compared to detonating a bunch of tnt for example the, like an equivalent amount of energy being released but in a chemical reaction the mass right. is I just much, meant much that, less but i just meant that like at the beginning right you've got 100 bombs on your your spacecraft which basically makes up most of the weight of your spacecraft so the first bomb you let off you're going to have a huge amount of momentum to overcome but by the yeah. time you let off your last bomb you're going to be incredibly light and you're just basically going to be like a feather riding on the back of like a hurricane well that's, but that's <coughs> what i mean like because the because the energy density is so high the relative change in mass of your ship actually wouldn't be that great compared to if you were powering it with a chemical reaction which is kind of like what all um, rocketry is based on the um it's the uh, Tsiolkovsky equation uh, that, which is How why you separate is it stuff. taking me? Am I there yet? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, there yet, there Simon? Yet. Are, are we, we at Rax again? Are we there yet? Yet? Like, You should have gone <laughs> to the loo before we were for Alpha Centauri. Um, so basically, if you went at a, a tenth of the speed of light, then you would get to Alpha Centauri in about 40 or 50 years. That's not so bad. So within a human lifetime. Mm, but, yeah. You know. that's, that's actually way better What's than I thought there? Somehow. What is that? What's there? Well, you've got to go there to find out. Get there. Uh, it's what? Well, it's a trinary star system. There's three stars, and there's a possible possibility of uh, habitable planets there, maybe. But I don't know. Have to go there to find out. Because I've I was sort of looking up the you know the habitable star systems, and there's a lot of stuff about the Trappist one. But mm. then, when it comes to Alpha Centauri, I never really have any idea of how you know habitable it is like well, why think, aren't we talking about that i think theories have gone back and forth on it to be honest i've read variously that it wouldn't be habitable because it's constantly bombarded by stuff from three different suns even if one of them is like very small um and then some people saying that well it's actually probably a very stable orbit in the middle of all of them um i actually i actually don't know what the state of knowledge is at the moment um it's certainly not habitable in the sense of it's Earth-like. I feel like when people talk about habitability of like the Trappist system, that's because there are planets which are roughly Earth-like. Whereas I think with Alpha Centauri, it's more a mm. question of how stable the, the orbit is and how stable the star is, I think. But also it's, it's close. You're going to be like, ah, we could probably make it over there. Like, you know, we'll make Pro it work. Um, <laughs> Pro 
Proxima B, one of the one of the exoplanets, is subject to stellar wind pressures of more than two thousand times those of the Earth from the solar wind. That would wind. be bad. Wow. It's, it's, Wikipedia says its habitability has not yet been definitively established. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. That's that's what that is. Mars is a death trap, but people are still like, cool, let's go live on Mars. But there's a lot of shit you have to do to live on Mars. So yes. we'll get into that yeah. later. Well, we will get to that so, in just a little yeah, bit. But, uh... People are pretty keen to get off, yeah, get off Earth. It's a funny one. It's, yeah, it. it's easier just to right. start with a new planet, according By to By the some time people. we can we can get off Earth and live on another planet, we should be able to hopefully fix Earth, is my yeah. personal yeah. thought. So that's... Will we, though? So the other thing, just, just to kind of wrap up this discussion, I guess, was, so that's basically what we think at the moment. There is the possible, so the, really the question comes down to how fast can you go, right? Like, you know, as long as you're willing to expend human casualties, even if you went on conventional rockets, you'd get there. You wouldn't be alive, but, you know, you'd get there. So you're saying you have like a, a ship of corpses, which you fire at Alpha Centauri. That's yeah. the plan. Or and hooray, you... we've put people in another solar system. <laughs> or, or you freeze them and, you know, you do suspended animation as a as a And topic. they're still corpses. Uh, yeah, there probably or are still corpses. Ones. A, a slightly relevant thing that I was reading uh, today is about how many people you would need to send to avoid them all being wiped out by plague. Like, did you read this, Ali? What's, what's the, like, minimum population, like, safe? You tell thing? me. You tell me. I think I read that one. I, I I believe it was somewhere between ten and forty thousand. <laughs> what? Between? I've 10... got a very different number. Uh, is that wrong? Oh, ten thousand and forty thousand. <laughs> oh, sorry, ten thousand. Oh, is that not right? I was like, that is an error like, bar and a half. Inbred. <laughs> sorry, not less than ten. Ten thousand. I've I've come what out. What did you get? My guys were a bit more optimistic. Oh. They were saying you could get away with ninety-eight. 98 people. Oh, so, so wait, is this for epi yeah. epidemiological reasons? Is this for to disease? Not yeah. get wiped out all in one go. No, but, well, my guys were like, so I, I found a paper, which I have to say has not been published in a real journal yet. It's on Arxiv, <laughs> which is fine. It's a good place to put things, but it has not been peer reviewed. So they were saying, let's peer review the question, now. the question is, if you build a sort of generational ship, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. Instead of saying, right, we just freeze everything and have robots just look after us until we get there. That's one way of doing it. The other way would be, we're all going to live on it and we're going to be a big happy community and everybody's going to get on for however many hundreds of years we have to do this for. Yeah. So they were saying, if you take that model, the generational ship, uh, what's the minimum number of people you need in it so that you can, they can survive without becoming so inbred that oh. everybody dies? Oh, okay. Ouch. Right. That, yeah. I know, ouch, right? <laughs> and they, they quite confidently were like, 98. 98, 98 for 100% chance of survival. I guess there's a lot of historical <laughs> right, precedent right? here, right? It's like putting, putting colonies out on new, in places like Australia, for example. Like, there are, there are plenty of cases through history where colonies had to be set up, and I guess they looked at which ones were successful. I don't know, but, you know, like, Australia was like a load of... You were prisoners, weren't you? It wasn't like you were taking the kind of perfect ratio of men to women to... It gets a pretty dark, this paper, because there's a yeah, lot was... of stuff about, like, bearing children and things that's mm. not great. But I think they were just doing it from a mathematical, like, if you look at the amount of genetic variance and, you know, how when it's safe for two related people to have children and all that kind of stuff, there's lots of sort of charts saying, if you're identical twins, not safe. If Don't you are, it. like, second cousins... 
kind of safe. Oh, and then, the, um, like, <laughs> it's the Iceland's problem. Like, you know, Iceland yeah. has this app. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah. the Faroe Islands have it as well, because there's just like so. Ooh, I don't. I, I know Iceland does for sure. Exactly. I'm sure other island Maybe communities I... have this too. But like, tell us about the app. So the app is that if you want to date somebody, you basically put in your details and their details, and it will tell you how closely related you are because the population is so small and over time you know people there's just so much interbreeding that goes on that you know you are only so many steps removed from anybody you could meet so it will tell you uh basically should you have children with this person is it kind of genetically safe to do so are you allowed to marry a second cousin that's the question because there's like loads of like places where people marry their second cousins all the time and it's fine i think yeah. i think I guess... we can marry our second cousins it... if we want but if you're already in the so UK. You're already in on an island where everyone is already close together. I wonder if that makes a difference. Like, yeah, it, it, are, do you mean are... you're actively encouraged to? <laughs> no, I just mean you're more likely to be actually more genetically similar than than you know. Yeah, each each, each step down uh, like the family tree is introducing more genetic variability, right, in a larger population than in a smaller population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Running to my Google search. First cousins can marry in the UK. Oh. First cousins. Oh. First cousins. Wow. Well, that's the next six months sorted. So yeah. So, but so and the, so the I same. I have guys, a lot of questions about where this what? campaign is going, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to deal with some some themes that I want to get into. Oh, no. be, so you. So these guys, they count the first thing. I keep calling them guys. So I think it is men. I think it's two men who just, oh, I have to check. Maybe it's four people. Anyway, I have to check who writes. But anyway, so they write this paper and then they they say ninety eight people, you know, is your minimum. And then you know, and then it ends up being around four hundred or something. It sort of flatlines at four hundred after a few generations, and that's enough to kind of deal with space plague and stuff going wrong. And they model this all with the Monte. They say, all right, we've made a Monte Carlo simulation model. You rolled a bunch of dice. That's what that means. Yeah. It, yeah, what? exactly. What we do. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, the Monte Carlo simulation. That must have known an awful lot about what? space. They must have spent a long time doing that. But no. <laughs> What is it? No, but what is it actually? Like, is it, where does it come from? How do you know? It's, it's a probabilistic model. So they're hmm. saying, what they, basically, you input a load of probabilities. So like, how hmm. likely would it be for me to get space tuberculosis? I'm going to say hmm. 0.1. And then you put that in, and then you sort of do that for everything you can think of. And then you just calculate it loads and loads and loads of times and see what the numbers end up looking like it's named after the casino like it was it was a, the, the algorithm was invented during the manhattan project i recently learned what? yeah it, it was because it was manhattan on basically on primitive on the primitive computers they had like the um uh, maniac uh they only they could only run so many calculations so when they had something really complicated like calculating the yield of a device you could work out like a, a geometric approach to it and then do a Monte Carlo estimation of that by um, saying, basically putting random points in your face space volume of like all the possible answers and then count the number of times it's within the geometry uh, that you're looking for versus the number of times it's outside. And then that ratio tells you what percentage of the volume your answer <laughs> occupies and so how big it is. Yes. Ah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Mm. It well, makes more sense when you write it in equations. But <laughs> 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 well, it's like, okay, imagine it like this: if you wants to work out, what, <laughs> no. if, if you wants to work out what pi equals, then you could draw a square and then put a circle in that square, and then oh, yeah. say it's unit uh, radius, and then put random points in that square. And if they are in the circle, you count them as being 
that's oh, in okay. the circle right i know if yeah. you do that enough times you will get a proportion of them in that circle that if it's like a unit square that will tell you what the area of the circle is within okay. right yeah yeah and yeah, so that, that will tell you uh what pi is because if it's you know unit radius then the area is yes. pi times r squared. that is clever so you're basically making a fraction which you can then use to go and do yeah. something with oh oh was god my brain to? I've, I've... Wow. where the monte carlo comes from? oh what yeah the monte carlo thing where did we start? Yeah. oh yeah the, oh Question. yeah god so way back there than light travel <laughs> yeah faster than light travel okay but yeah, we, yeah. We have it. so basically all, all the stuff that we talked about up until now has been trying to get around the fact that we're, we're limited to the speed of light by mm. by relativity thanks einstein um, but um, you can potentially get up to something like 90% of the speed of light, they reckon, with um, antimatter-based rockets. So annihilating matter instead of a chemical reaction, and that's incredibly energy efficient. So obviously, you only kind, you can only get a certain fraction of that as like available kinetic energy. Um, and what's interesting is if you do get to 90% of the speed of light, that you actually do have to worry about stuff like uh, time dilation or oh. equivalently um, Lorentz contraction. So relativistic effects basically that mean that if you're traveling at 90 percent the speed of light time you perceive time of course to be to go exactly the same speed it always has but w what happens is you perceive the distance to be two and 2.3 roughly times less than it actually is because relativity is weird like that yeah but so That's I've got some clues amazing. from from Ali's Ali's narration, which is when we were on the um, planet and <laughs> Infinity was like, "What year is it?" Oh, yeah. No God, one, damn, no one knew. Everyone only knew the year from um, from colonization. What was it? AC or something? No, it wasn't mm. AC. <laughs> Whatever it was. It was colonization. Two seven eight C or something. Yeah. So that. T to me implies that the kind of colonization that, that, that we're kind of talking about in our sci-fi world um they don't like maintain that much sort of connection there's not a lot of like so it, it doesn't matter about relativistic effects it doesn't matter like what what year it is or, or what time it is when you arrive because they're just kind of blasting people out into space and once you're out there you're not going to go pop home for a for a holiday like that's yeah. it that's where you live now because you're you... still going to get if you were to do that communications you could yeah. like you could have like a central lighthouse on earth say that just put out like a pulse with this is the year on earth and then you know mm. that's going at the same speed everywhere so you could be like right that's like our central clock that's what we measure everything if you, relative to. Cool. if you knew where earth was or even knew what earth. it was if you still had but well, and all, but also well, what yeah. if you didn't care yeah. what if it was decentralized yeah but then, yeah, then we, have, like we have an Cornwall. alliance. So what is this alliance doing? And is it timekeeping? Yeah. Is timekeeping the main And if it isn't timekeeping, the then what the hell is it doing? <laughs> what are you doing if you're not telling okay, us the okay. year? And then, and then time... to, to, sorry, just, just because we were... Uh, just to wrap this up, basically. <laughs> we were talking about faster than light travel. I haven't even got to faster than light travel yet. Um, because it depends who you ask about whether that is possible or not. According to relativity, conventional velocity cannot exceed the speed of light but there are a variety of kind of tricks aware uh, that you can get around it one of which would be like going through a wormhole which is the classic you bend a piece of paper put the pencil through it and you're touching two points in space time that every mo every movie does that has a wormhole in it um the one that's more interesting to me at least is the actual concept of a warp drive which is um 
the basically like Star Trek technology, right? Um, the Run on dilithium crystals and warp plasma. Yeah, is it all exactly. real? Is everything real? Well, there there is a, a, a concept called the Alcubierre drive, which is effectively like you can think of it as like space peristalsis. So what it does is it creates a local bubble of space time that you you don't move relative to, and then it moves that bubble um, by effectively contracting the space uh, in front of you and expanding the space behind you. Which is oh my god, this is so useful for when I get like tree stride at higher levels, as well. <laughs> and I'm like, we can travel anywhere, but technically we can't until we can science it. Thank you. <laughs> but the um, the problem with that is, you know, you can contract space time with mass. That's what energy and mass do. But expanding it requires uh, a negative mass, basically, um, which you'd need to do with some kind of exotic material that we haven't met yet. It might not be possible, but like if you uh, could construct something that has a negative energy density, negative mass to it, then you could create these bubbles in space time and you could, in theory, we think, go faster than, than light. But so that's like an anti-Higgs boson you'd need. I think that's one way of thinking about it, yeah. That's when you start to lose me when you actually start talking about these potential theories of exotic matter. I, I don't know enough to understand them. I know enough to know I don't understand them. <laughs> yeah. Ali, at what point uh, in this game are we going to be allowed to be like, oh, yes, it's this particle that is a new particle that's not been found yet? Mm. To explain stuff. Well, I would say, you know, you could give it, you could certainly try to say <laughs> that and see what that would. Yeah. Noted. <laughs> um, I don't want to. Yeah, I feel like, oh, okay. Well, I've. I've... So, Stag, while you were looking at like whether you could actually sort of shoot the thing fast enough to get to where you wanted to go. I was thinking of what would happen to people on board while that was happening, which oh, is, oh, is, the is pretty much all bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, Simon. Like, remember people. I remember people. They're the yeah. stabby ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go near them. You know, yeah. the ones that stab. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> they stab and dig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was your <laughs> this was my strategy. The first mention of digging, um, by the way. We didn't even mention that until know. now. We've done so well. Oh, yeah, digging. But I, I sort of feel like, you know, we've done a lot of space travel. We can always come back to, you know, what's going to be like aboard the ship. But do you do you guys, Bates and Charmony, do you want to kind of do you want to blather about put us up with some terraforming stuff? Yeah. yeah. Did we want to do what we this is an Emily question. Were we doing a break before we did all of that? Or are we plowing for? I think we're probably plowing for. We think we'll probably go for about an hour to an hour and a half, we said. So I, I feel like that's probably about the right amount of time to go through without a break, probably. It's a lot of science. It's a, it's a lecture and a half, but we swear sometimes. That's, <laughs> so it's more interesting. And don't really know what we're talking about some of the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so like some of the lectures the you probably went to at yeah. undergrad. Often distance ourselves from the content. <laughs> <laughs> If any one of you fall asleep in the audience, we'll just go in and like balance chalk on your head. Did you guys? Oh, could we? Did your lecturers have chalk, or did they have uh, white? No, any of mine did. No, oh, just a PowerPoint. God. Oh yeah, I, I got chalk. Because you're at Oxford, oh. Simon. <laughs> they, they had people come in to like it was their jobs to come and clean the boards, which I always thought was very uh. weird, because they were like these big multi. They were the things that were on like carousels. So you pull oh, them down? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was always good when someone moved one of those down and there was a load of stuff underneath it. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, they're like, don't look. <laughs> You're not allowed to know Exotic. that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a bit of knowledge. Quickly, <laughs> bring the rubbing person. 
<laughs> Bring the rubbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of klaxons going on. Come your eyes, children. Uh, Terraforming. Terraforming. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, actually, can we can we ask chat? Do we can we talk to chat? Is that can we have a chat right? more than well comes? Yeah. So to chat. so the people who are watching live on Twitch, um, well, what you, obviously if you're listening to us as a podcast, then come and watch us live. We're Thursdays every other Thursday on twitch.tv forward slash Dr. Simon Clark at seven p.m. UK time, and you can be interacted with like this. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh. Oh, so I'm actually I'm... technologically incapable of even opening. You're chat. not even on chat. I thought you were oh, looking at chat, yeah. and that's why you said it, Ali. Not in chat. I can't open <laughs> it. I tried, and Twitch just said, "You know, do you want to be a fan?" And then I just thought, oh, "I want to open chat." <laughs> and then I panicked, and I just thought, "Look, if I try and open chat now, I, I've lost control. So I'm gonna <laughs> not." All over, all over the Alcubia drive thing. Yeah. yeah. All, all right. I'm gonna try you. this out. I'm gonna try it. That happened. But talk That's amongst yourselves. So Ali's like, internet is working that. this week, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, but but we haven't so... yet taught him how to use a computer. <laughs> his internet is working, as are his boomer genes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you, that's low. That is low. Put this on TikTok, Germany. I want this moment to be immortalized. <laughs> yes, I. And then we'll have to explain to Ali. Put it on TikTok. <laughs> Ali, we'll have to explain what yes. TikTok is <laughs> to Ali. Oh, right. Well, if I just enter the chat room now, I can't get the chat from before. Oh, no, you can't. No, you chat. can't. It's gone now. No. Sorry. Oh. But what did you want to ask? So I'm just going to close this. That was a oh, dream. Was a... dead now. <laughs> oh, that was really sad. Well, Goodbye, you... chat. I <laughs> barely knew you. What did you want you. to ask? I felt we need to, to pay off this segment. Faster than life travel. The faster than life travel. They're trying. Hmm. You're, you're enjoying them. It's sad. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, can't, I can't hear you chat. <laughs> chat louder. Chat louder. I want to talk about terraforming because otherwise we're yeah. never going to. Okay, okay. But, okay, Simon, just just keep an eye on chat and then you know, Ali, you could be the go between for Ali. What, what am I looking out for? Am I, am I meant to be like, you know, know, making sure they, if, if they make an interesting point, I'll bring it up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Like that. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. So terraforming. So Bates, your character mm. is a droid yeah. who who was sent to terraform a planet. I must say yep. the most interesting thing about this for me is I was reading up about terraforming and they're all like, we're going to need asteroids. We're going to need huge mm. amounts of materials. We're going to need to like build a space umbrella. And then like, I'm like, or oh, there's Infinity Sky 6000. So you're on the robot. A691. You're a druid. Droid. A droid. <laughs> I. This is. I've been trying to make a, a droid, druid, druid, droid. A droid, droid, droid. Welcome, Simon. Yeah. You're Welcome. a D and D. A druid and droid. Ooh. Oh my god! There we go. Yeah. This is how we come up with our names for everything, pretty much. It's just conversations like this. So yeah, do you have an idea for how a a single android creature, or or, or like, is is that the deal? Is the deal that they send this one sort of unit out there no do you not, do, no is it a secret no. you're looking really shifty right it's now kind of tell me <laughs> well no no i can uh, i no i don't think this is a spoiler ali is you this a spoiler don't, well, I, I don't want to look to the, for the adventure uh, i don't she's I not the it. only one <gasps> let's put it that way yeah okay that's fair i mean she's not yeah. the only one yeah um so Oh, I just kind of want to move it away from the actual thing. So, um, 
So terraforming, currently, we can't terraform what a planet. What is terraforming? Should we really? define terraforming? Yeah. What is terraforming? What is yeah. Terraforming? I don't think I found a good it's, explanation. Terraforming is the process of making a planet or a moon or a body in, the, in space habitable for humans, but it's making it fully habitable. So we're not talking about going and like constructing a dome on Mars that everyone can go and sit in and be fine as long as they don't step outside. It is making the planet itself a home for life. And, and perhaps we should mention that that is specifically life as we know it. Like it's a very, yes. it's a very Earth-centric idea. Yes, very Earth-centric. So our version of plants, carbon-based creatures and breathing oxygen for humans, which I think is, and that is terraforming, right? You wouldn't ever say you were terraforming a planet to make a different life form that we're not aware of. Well, no, it more meant that like, what if we discovered a planet that had life of some form that we didn't recognise and then we were just like, no, we're going to make this actually like our kind of planet. And yeah, we would ter- that would be terraforming. Yeah, yeah, but it would also well, be extermination. Terra, terra is Earth, isn't it? In yeah. Latin? Uh, yes, I Agreed. think it's Latin. Sure, yeah, Latin. So I think, um, so the, the main things we need are obviously there has to be oxygen, otherwise we die. Um, there has to be the temperature has to be good it's that goldilocks zone that we spoke about yet again it can't be too hot or will burn it can't be too cold or will freeze um and then there's a lot of sort of other things to do with like the atmosphere and pressure and general not dying is always good um when i looked it up there's a lot of things a lot that's kind of like oh yeah you just kind of get the oxygen good and grow some plants but like the number of variables that you can have Mm. on planets in space that have to be just right because we've evolved just on Earth, where like it's exactly this range of temperature, like like um the like day night cycle, because yeah, day night cycle affects the temperature. Because if the day's too long, it gets really hot, and if the night's too long, it gets really cold. So suddenly, it's not just about the temperature of the planet; it's about it's like orbit and things. And I'm like, oh no, anything wrong, and we'll, we'll die. Well, so hang on, if you had a planet which was um like it was all good except it had a day that was a year long, right? Could you, in theory? attach basically space ropes to it and rockets to those ropes and just spin the fucker up. <laughs> like a Beyblade. For some reason, in uh, my research on terraforming, that was not proposed as a reasonable scientific solution to things, but what? maybe. I'm just trying to think, yeah. The amount of energy you require would be beyond astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't it be literally astronomical? I think that's probably exactly the right What word. you could do <laughs> is you could just migrate all year. You could just follow the... Follow the sun. The, yeah. Follow the right conditions. Like, you could stay right slow. on the line in between and then just. Also, be on it becomes one of your. Um, and then go to sleep yeah. on the other. <laughs> one of your ring planets. What's the one? What do you call them? Ring, you know, ring the, planets? It's like the habitable zone is a ring around the planet. Oh, tidally locked planets. Yeah. If the tidally day is locked, equal to yeah, one yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, you, you get a habitable ring. Uh, eyeball planet might be what you're searching for, which is if it's like ah, a water yes. planet that's a tidally locked planet. Right, right. Because it's same, ice all over, and then you just got the sun all the time. Yeah. So, hang on. So, how how much of this this can you actually do? You know, like what what's possible to change? There's a lot of ideas. So basically, at the moment, everything is very it's a little bit Mars centric. Um, there's a little bit of chat about Venus, a little bit of chat about Europa and Titan, but pretty much who is chatting about Venus? People are. They, they think that they're like, oh, if we can Venus. if we can cool down Venus. Yeah. Great, let's yeah. do it. It's going to yeah. be fantastic. Carl can't Sagan spin up the slow moving one, but we can cool down Venus. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Carl, Carl Sagan, Sagan back in 1961, 
argued for the use of genetically engineered bacteria to transform carbon in the atmosphere into organic molecules. However, this was rendered impractical due to the subsequent discovery of sulfuric acid in Venus's clouds. <laughs> it's not just a Can temperature I... thing. <laughs> yeah, but you Can know, I there's sulfuric acid Venus? bacteria at the bottom of the sea. That's not a biggie. It's, it's like, fine. This, is the, this is the whole problem, though, of like, if you send in one biological element to clear out one element of the environment, you've introduced yeah. another problem. And then we end up with like snakes on Venus to capture the, <laughs> well, the, the mice that we introduced we to capture the, the mice we who we introduced to capture the bacteria. No, so one of the reasons that, that Carl Sagan wanted to, to get the, uh, the algae, whatever, to get the carbon and turn it into organic molecules wasn't just to have organic molecules. It's because the atmosphere of Venus is full of carbon dioxide, which is rubbish, but it's also just really full. So it's um, at like 91 atmospheres of pressure. It's like 91 yeah. times the the pressure of us and the real problem with venus and like I, I was looking up how do we terraform venus and everyone like the, the main solution other than cooling it down is like how do we get rid of all this atmosphere yeah. like it needs to go like we if need to put it on mars go on. And solve two problems <laughs> yeah, at once. Right, exactly. we could take the atmosphere from i didn't venus, see that suggested put it on no, i don't think that's a real suggestion that's mm, very much yeah, an emily's suggestion put it in a bag of holes <laughs> <laughs> and if people could just get to work on that scientists off you go have you ever then. done a siphon you know where you <laughs> throw a hose well, yeah, and then the water and you've got one guy earth can be on, in the middle on Mars. Well, with his yeah. thumb like, over the over the, the end of the pipe and it's like right take that yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we all point our vacuum cleaners at venus at once we have to be on mars to do that or oh, right yeah. no 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 we oh. use earth as like the midpoint right well and then halfway so, through you're like yeah. go from blow to suck now <laughs> no, no, no from no. suck to blow yeah the and then you blow it all towards mars been blowing this whole time and i'm sure that would definitely work and there's definitely not a million other reasons that that wouldn't work <laughs> and i oh, can i tell you my favorite my favorite plan for getting the atmosphere off venus so there were plans involving all involving getting the carbon and turning it into like carbonates and like oh let's like just like dig up a load of the, the entire crust and then it'll just sort of precipitate out of the out of the air um but you know that's too difficult. Uh, so my favorite, my favorite suggestions were uh, they just physically could take the atmosphere and like fire it into space, or use space elevators, or um, like these sort of like uh, I can't remember what they're called, but like electromagnetically powered rocket lifter things, um, and like literally just like get the atmosphere, just like. How are you getting the atmosphere? You like, what are love, they doing? You just get, get it. You don't don't over <laughs> the details, mate. You like get a big, the atmosphere. <laughs> like, like a big with your jar. Hoover. We've got the <laughs> Hoover. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot about and the then Hoover. You you launch the Hoover into space towards Mars. Less atmosphere. You launch the whole Hoover, not, just not the even bag. the content. <laughs> yeah, the whole Hoover. <laughs> right, that's another one full. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was my favorite thing that I can I, can I I thought the problem with the atmosphere thing was a sort of gravitational issue in that you know you couldn't hold on to the atmosphere. So how come Venus, Not, which is smaller than Earth, is holding on to so much? It's about I the same it's size. more to do with the magnetosphere. magnetosphere. So <laughs> Mars is magnetosphere is gone because its uh, iron core stopped. Uh, doesn't stop but it get cooled and solidified so it no longer has a magnetosphere like earth which is what keeps like the solar wind from blowing all our atmosphere away so mars i think it lo loses i used to know this number it's like part of a pound every day of its atmosphere About just gets stripped sure. away by solar winds that solar could be wrong it's something like that number um, so so yeah solar winds, someone else keeps talking 
are constant, right? We've got this constant stream of particles coming out of the sun, which is why like comets' tails always point away from the sun. I think that's what sort of clued someone in to be like, aha, solar winds. Hmm. Um, and the reason that we don't sort of notice this on Earth is because the Earth sort of acts like a giant sort of dipole magnet. Um, it's got sort of magnetic fields around it. They interact with the solar winds and create this magnetosphere, which is kind of sort of like a protective bubble around Earth. Now, if Mars had one of them, uh, the atmosphere on Mars would would be able to like accumulate again rather than constantly getting blown off. So there was... Um, uh, a, Could a, a, we yeah. attach <laughs> ropes to the centre <laughs> of oh, Mars? Yes, yes, and then... yeah. There are always ropes. No, this is the giant space umbrella plan. It's not the ropes plan. Or oh, the giant oh, space okay. sorry, magnet sorry. plan. Well, yeah, giant space magnet plan. Like Which I also I like liked because it was a very serious one from from serious NASA's planetary science division, um, <laughs> who said, "Right, all you got to do is put a giant magnet next to Mars, but between Mars and the Sun." Yeah, because yeah. the magnet has its own magnetosphere, and Mars will therefore be in the shade of, of the magnet. magnetic umbrella. Right, oh, it's, like, so it's the same thing. Yeah. The and you could put it at a Lagrange point well, as well, like with a stable. Oh, yeah. A Lagrange point. Between, it's basically the point where, uh, crudely, the gravitational attraction between two bodies is equal. So yeah. between the between Mars, for example, and the Sun. Uh, I mean, Earth has them, and they have names. There's like L one, L two, L three, um, where you can put something, and it will basically stay there relative to those two objects. So it's like a stable satellite, basically. And so you've got this magnet, which is basically sort of shielding Mars from all this solar wind. Can you do anything useful with the solar wind? There must be a huge quantity of energy there. I don't know. The density of it, though, is so small because it's a vast amount of energy, but it's being radiated throughout the entire solar system. I'm not actually sure if you could do anything useful. Oh, if you, to get a sense of the amount of energy that's in it, you just have to look at the aurora. Like, the actual density of the aurora is indicative of, uh, of how little yeah. energy there is in the solar wind. Yeah, I guess if you go up there, you're not suddenly like exploded into a nuclear bomb, are you? You're just flying through a little light. Well, and you have other problems like suffocating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're flying over the North Pole. You don't know how you got there. <laughs> someone, someone from the chat was asking about tardigrades. Tardigrades being the adorable little water, water bears. Lovely bears. I've got a fact that about this. Survive. This is a lot of my research. What was this all about? Tardigrades. <laughs> well, Mainly, I was going to say yeah. this sort of brings us around back around to using. Everywhere using living organisms for terraforming, which I want to ask you about, mates. But Ali, tardigrades, no. we love them. Uh, no, 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 you, you do you, and then I'll tardigrade <laughs> at the end. You know, I save my tardigrades, but okay. I'm not. So there's also, um, I think it's cyanobacteria, how you pronounce it? Yeah. So yeah. they're believed to have been potentially what sort of began life on Earth. And they can, uh, they, through photosynthesis, they create oxygen. So they basically could, could infinite sky have the stem cells for loads of these little bacteria and just go and go debag her bacteria? So did you say debag? <laughs> That's what Ali said last time. <laughs> this is not a me thing. Our bacteria, not I just, in a way, just happy that you adopted it. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. You can't. So a stem cell is like it's, yeah, it's, it can't it's be a potent, so it's so it can't Couldn't be. Turn yeah, into that's a good point. That's a really good point. Oh, could oh. it turn into a bacteria? Could it could subtract it? out a load of its own genes, like boot out a load of genes into the 
Well, I mean, there's no problem. I'm just saying if it's a bacteria, it can't be a stem cell is what I'm saying. But a stem cell could become a bacteria if it just booted all the stuff out. I don't think it could. Why not? Oh, you don't make eukaryotic cells into prokaryotes. This is no. This is also would not help us in our terraforming efforts. If we can make the bacteria, it might. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, okay, wait. So maybe the she's got a little are... bag of. <laughs> and so they, yeah, they they convert. They can convert. Is it? It's carbon dioxide. Oh my god, I've written notes and they're useless. Yeah, yeah, but it uh, carbon almost, dioxide into oxygen. converting Earth's oxygen. early atmosphere of methane, ammonia, and other gases oh, into the composition yes. it sustains today. So they they mm. transform gases. Which which I should just very briefly point out was like one of the most traumatic events in the history of Earth. Uh, like some people in atmospheric scientists call it the oxygen holocaust event because it was the extinction of like over ninety percent of life on Earth because most of it evolved to tolerate low oxygen environments yeah. and oxygen. Was it's toxic. crazy, isn't it? That's and and if you think like oxygen before that, you could light a match on Earth and it would just go out, right? But oxygen is incredibly reactive, right? And it just sort of eats away, it rusts things, it blows up, it does all sorts of stuff. It's yeah, heinous. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why we think so much multicellular life developed then, because like cells enclosed other cells to protect them from oxygen. Oh, that's really that's one theory. Really? Yeah. It's like, oh, I protect you from the evil. It's, yeah. it's like band together. It's, it's like everybody like pointing outwards with their little cellular guns. Like <laughs> <laughs> a lot the Alamo. It's yeah. the Alamo <laughs> Yeah, it's a wagon train. All the cells just <laughs> go around <laughs> in a circle. Get the mitochondria behind the horses. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of thing. Sorry, I was no, just saying that's, that's terraforming, right? Like the bacteria yeah. did it. Why can't we? But it yeah. took billions yeah. of years. Like it wasn't it a quick a event. Yeah. So this is the thing. Quick terraforming. Oh, yeah. Not going to happen. Hundreds oh. and thousands of years, they think we could potentially, if we can work To change an works, atmosphere. To change a whole atmosphere and planet. But that brings us to Braxigantu. We don't know what Braxigantu was like before it was terraformed. Because was there was, there might have been nothing wrong with it. It just might have been lacking any like form of life. We don't know. And I don't think Ali's going to tell us. But Secrets. Look, he's just staring. Look at his little innocent little face. Uh, do I know? <laughs> I mean... It's a rich and fully realised world. That's a good question. Ali knows everything about, and I will continue to believe this. He knows exactly where his notes just say dig question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just jumping back to cyanobacteria quickly. One of the interesting things I found, there was a bit of research recently that found that they work at a lot lower light for the photosynthesis than previously thought. So they used to think that they could go to about 700 nanometers and then they were done. But they found that they could actually go quite far into the red spectrum um, of light Mm. and 750 nanometers, which is a bit darker and but they were still they were still creating the process which sort of brings us around to like could they exist on much darker planets that maybe we thought life couldn't exist on but actually they could be doing their work right now and creating i mean and the other point is that like this is all based on life as we know it because obviously that's where you start looking like could Mm -hmm. could a biologist uh here please explain to me how life could be different if it i don't know how how could life be fundamentally different like if it was based on a different thing from carbon for example Silicon-based uh, life. Silicon yeah. is one that always gets bandied around. It's just because it? it's got four bonds, right? It's just because a carbon atom has has four bonds and therefore can make long chains. Likes to grab things. And so does silicon. I, I feel like that's... is that the only reason that they? <laughs> I, don't know, they like, yeah. I think there's a film <laughs> called <laughs> Evolution where that happens, but oh. Oh. yeah, yeah. I wonder are there other are there other elements that feasibly? I mean, the, but the crucial thing is, yeah, you have to have that 
with what makes uh, our carbon-based life so useful is that you have the chain and then you can stick something on the top of it with one bond and something on the bottom of it with another bond, which means that you can make all these complicated things. And then some of but, them can you know, stick their arms out the side and hold on to something else. And Yeah, yeah exactly. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't have a sort of much simpler, like three, I'm talking way out of turn here. I do not know. But then, you know, you can get like, you can, you can get, Come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried your internet had gone again, Ali. <laughs> the problem with like, could life, could, you know, could there be life out there that's so unimaginably different from ours? And it's like, I don't know. I can't imagine it. That's kind of the definition. Like, that's the point. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, but there's also, this, it's... There's the story of the guy who um, loses his keys on a dark night, right, on a road. And somebody finds him looking for his keys underneath the lamp, uh, like the street lamp. And they, they say, oh, where did you drop the keys? And he's like, I don't know, but it, it was somewhere around here. And they think, oh, it wasn't under the lamp? They go, no, but I can see here, so I'll start searching here. And I feel like that's kind of the situation we're in, because at least you know where you're at with life as we know it. We, can, we can't actually imagine something so fundamentally different. Just yeah. a really cool question in Twitch chat that I might... Do it. Go for it. In Chernobyl, they have found fungus that use radiosynthesis to grow. Could we use that to put plants on Mars? I don't know what radiosynthesis is. That sounds like you're using converting radiation to usable yeah. energy. Right. Yeah. Is that what that but, means? That but what kind of radiation? Like alpha, gamma, beta, what? Do you know why you always um, keep your fly zipped up when you visit Ukraine? Because otherwise Chernobyl fall off. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. Shouldn't it be Chernobyl fall out? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, the, the um, thing about no, using. <laughs> I was trying to buy time for you to Google this. <laughs> and instead, time. everybody just turned around and was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> that but surely, like, so the thing about use about like uh, you know bacteria and all sorts like have have using wildly different energy sources um, is as opposed to almost all life on Earth is at some point based on the sun, right? Or comes comes back to the sun unless yeah. it's you know a few weird bacteria somewhere um so presumably the issue with um you know the, the issue with colonizing mars is mars gets plenty of sunlight there wouldn't be an issue with an energy source um i suppose it might be a way of dealing with the fact that there's lots of excess radiation but I, it would, wouldn't help us live there but it does it does link to a future a future chat which i will chat um, about Ooh. my idea know, for my I've character's um, my character's. Uh, we know very little about your character backstory related to hold your character horses that. there, Charmaine. I've got yeah, some. I've got so, some melanin chat that I've got to lay on you all immediately before what? I just <laughs> completely forget what I'm even looking at. This so is radiosynthesis. This is radiosynthesis. So so there is a, a paper in 2014 where these guys. Oh, are they guys? Um, no, they're not. <laughs> folks, these people. Say folks, not, these, folks, these folks. These folks. They, yeah. Oh my God. Oh God. Everything's going wrong. So yeah, these folks. Um, uh, they have this. They found this fungus, and it contains this chemical called melanin, which we have in our skin anyway. It's a skin. It's a pigment, and they said that ionizing radiation was changing the the electron spin resonance of melanin. I don't know what that what? is. Electron spin but... resonance. Yeah. I know what those terms mean in isolation, but not yeah, how they combine. Context, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. So I don't know what that is, but they said that it basically the radiation can change that, and then that led to 
an ability, an increased ability of the fungus to produce NADH, which is one of the molecules involved in respiration. What does the D stand so, for? What do the other oh, letters stand for? Well, I assume that was that was <laughs> sodium deuterium. No, no, or something. no, no, it's, it's not. No, no. Well, I'll tell you what it is. That's, that's thinking okay. chemistry there. Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's it's is offering it? me supplements. You can buy any nicotinamide <laughs> adenine dinucleotide. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, someone in chat was also right there. <laughs> sorry, right. Sean. I'm done with my. It's an interesting paper. I'm done. Wow. So I think we've solved all the problems of terraforming <laughs> and faster than light travel quite yeah, easily. Sorted, which is nice. Color uh, grades. Was there anything else? Color grades. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, this is awesome. Right. So the, one of the, the massive issues with just sort of cycling back to getting humans in the tin can to the newly terraformed world. Uh, one of the things that happens if you're an astronaut and you go up into space is that you basically start suffering from various health issues. And one of them is cardiovascular sort of degeneration, like the cells in your blood vessels start to basically, you know, mutate and that's, that's not good. Um, and then some people did some other sort of tests where they took brain slices, they took brains from rats and they irradiated these rats and then they cut their brains up and they had a look at what was going on in the brains. And they were like, uh, the activity appears to be a little bit different uh, than it should be. So the idea is that if you get exposed to loads of radiation in space, because you're not being shielded by the Earth's magnetosphere, then you are more likely to, to develop all sorts of different diseases, which is where the tardigrades come in. Because the tardigrades, you can desiccate, you can suck all the water out of a tardigrade and you can leave it on the side of a spaceship and it will survive so in cute. space. No, no, I and mean, so... th okay, no, sorry. No, that's they're not cute. <laughs> they are. I think they're cute. I think they're quite cute. Yeah. yeah Imagine this tiny little bear trapped on the side of a spacecraft, just, just roaring into the void. Except the spacecraft of a head, is... it's got a gaping <laughs> black hole. Yeah, it's just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> As it's being yeeted out of the atmosphere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little pause clawing onto the side of the out of the metal. I will have my vengeance <laughs> as it's frozen. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, and but tardigrades have a set of genes which make them their DNA highly resistant to uh, ionizing radiation. So that's how they partly how they survive. They can sit up there and their their DNA doesn't get just smashed up in the same way. What's so. Different? Why did they evolve uh, this? Because they didn't know they were going to space. This is suspicious. Or did they? Tardigrades are the big bad. What if tardigrades are the last survivors of an interstellar civilization? That's what I was thinking. I like it. Yeah. A giant tardigrade. Yeah. Gotta write this. Otherwise known as just Make a bear. Make it a dragon. <laughs> yeah, a bear. Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Has anybody shot a bear into space? Can they survive? Because... That could be the. I mean, they probably I've got, have. I've got one word for you there, which is Russia. Um, yeah, I mean, they probably have. They probably did, and it went very badly, and they were like, "We will never tell anyone about this." What, what they have done, which is is uh, tangentially related, is um, is tried to breed a bunch of animals in space because there's a question about um, whether embryos could develop in zero gravity. Um, and we haven't done it with humans, so we don't know. Uh, but mice don't seem to like it. 
like oh, really? the nematodes they seem yeah. to be fine like it's it like it's this big unknown question um but it all it, i did it did get me wondering because that's sort of like zero gravity and it seems to be like kind of probably doable but i did wonder whether if we went and settled on a planet with a very different gravity which there's loads of other health sort of effects wow. too could literal like embryo development and cell differentiation and reproduction be disrupted because life is so finely tuned for the environment that we find ourselves in on earth exactly what if we we can't live anywhere other than here well no no no, you have to terraform to basically be terraform but but but, but you can't change the gravity you know you can't there's a difference between saying there's a difference between saying that you have to that you you function best at a very very kind of tiny range but we actually can we can survive over quite a broad range but for a lifetime and have and have children like yeah kids are squishy my my hope was yeah. and again talking about terraforming and talking about all the well, things that can be wrong <laughs> is surely if we've got either our faster than light travel or like the commitment to go everywhere surely there are enough exoplanets out there that are close enough that we can find with the right orbital period, the right gravity. Well, and also, could we just create, you know, little domes on planets for a bit as stop gaps? Um, yeah. yeah, if you just misfire and you've got to the wrong... Oh, God, it's That's the one the next Mars door. That's the Mars plan, though, isn't it? That is the Mars plan. Can yeah. I finish the tardigrade story? Just yeah, tardigrade. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the end, because that, that's interesting about tardigrades, but what's super interesting is that some crazy guy, he is a guy, <laughs> when like you know. took this top took the most radi took the, the tardigrade who was the most resistant to radiation took the gene that was responsible for that and whacked it into a load of human cells yeah. and then irradiated those cells and yeah. was like boom these cells survive now so there the the next step is like right well astronauts could we just bang them full of tardigrade dna and then you know they could be a that's little bit weird looking, but mutants. maybe they'll that's space like vaccine. Monster. If you want to go to space, space you've got to have vaccine. your space vaccine. I bet NASA are thinking that because they tested it on their twins. They sent one person. Did, they had two. Oh, yeah. They had the twins, and they the sent Kelly one twins. On into the space. Kelly, yeah, exactly. Them. Have you? And oh my gosh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, 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 I was. Yeah, I, I was. I went to NASA um, when one of them. I think it was Mark was in space. And landed the space shuttle, uh, and like we were at the landing, and um, like his brother was there, and we were only we were meant to be going out for dinner with his brother uh, like that evening, and then uh, Mark came into the restaurant we were at, and he was like, "I wasn't doing anything at home. I was just bored. <laughs> like he'd, he'd been in space that morning." <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's cool. So... Yeah, because they were. T- like whether they age differently and things well yes yeah, so, 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 so for people who possibly just to briefly explain who might not know who these people are they are scott and mark kelly are two identical twins who were both astronauts um and they did a year-long experiment where scott was the commander of the international space station and they basically monitored him and his brother and they saw how they have how they evolved how their lives changed but on a biological level differently not in terms of like their relationships you know like it was, it was purely like it was purely like how are your cells doing not, not how, how are, are myself feeling? doing? No, how, how are yourself doing, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> but so they tested the vaccines. Subject. That was one of the things they did. So oh, NASA's okay. the long game. To change the subject, chat yeah. are having a fantastic discussion about whether space you can erections. get an erection in space. <laughs> Sparections. 
I didn't. I I read a lot about the sperm being fine. Don't worry, everyone. Sperm is fine in space, but I didn't. I didn't read about the erections. But it's, I'll take the know. plunge. I will look up space erections now. Well, the conclusion. I'm, I'm to taking be the hit. Someone's already done it, and they. Yeah, you know, the blood is still has fine. Been done. Yeah, your erections are fine. We think it's like, a pressure thing, right? It's like you know. It, it don't you think can... it cares about gravity. Testosterone it's like levels blood. may drop in space, which oh, could contribute to really? erectile dysfunction. Apparently, this is all from chat. This is Cass. Thank you, Cass. <laughs> Citation needed. It was basically what we should say. <laughs> <laughs> People could be putting absolute nonsense in chat. Like, if you go to chat, Chernobyl fall off. And we'll be like, we'll just read it out. Fall out. <laughs> I, I, I did that one. Fall out is better. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chernobyl fall out. Yeah. Yes, that was the joke. I thought it would fall off Damn because it. you were going somewhere that's so irradiated that your knob will fall off. I no, thought I that think was that, is, that is kind of funny. Yeah. But also but your hair can fall, fall out. It's even and better. And you could have some fallout. It's, it's, it's just many levels. <laughs> yes, I'm a human peanut. Thank you, Chad. I'm king of the peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> which, which just a, not a D and D related fact, but we were looking this up beforehand. The word for um, oh, peanut yeah. in French yeah. and Spanish it comes, uh, which is Ali, cacahuete, cacahuete, which comes from uh, Nahuatl, which was the language spoken in the. Uh, I think it was Aztec. It was a Mesoamerican language uh, that was then a word adopted by European settlers. So. Uh, as, as opposed to uh, presumably English speakers were like, there's a nut that has a pea in it. It will be a peanut. Shut up, you peanut. We'll call it a cacahuete and be happy. <laughs> we spent a lot of time before the stream started just saying cacahuete to each other. Yes. So um, <laughs> if you want to know how it's we get in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warm ups. Especially if we're all like whispering it into our microphones. Um so, th so that that feels like a natural sort of end to the, the sciencey discussion. Um, oh god, there was so much more to talk about, but I think yeah. well, that goes yeah. well because we've got so much, good. so many more weeks. Hopefully, of doing this, we've got the, the way the people who perhaps have just joined. This is the D and D brief where we're talking about the science. Next week, we're going back to the D and D action where we're going to have our next couple of hours of the campaign uh, in on Braxaganzu with our characters, and that will provide some more jumping-off points to have discussions like this. So we're going to be alternating on, on weeks, which you can uh, watch live on Twitch, or you can listen to on a podcast, or watch on our YouTube. All the links will be uh, down on the below uh, in the description if you're watching this on YouTube or in our podcast feed. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ali, can you give us any hint? No, I don't want to ask you for any hints, actually. Like no, no spoilers. I no just, spoilers. Just no. What year uh, is it? <laughs> what? If I knew that, things could have turned up very, very differently. That man who attacked you, he was just confused and scared. <laughs> didn't know when it was. Also, I don't know if, if Ali can give us spoilers. You know, maybe Ali needs spoilers from us about what the heck our characters are going to do next. Yeah, well, dear <laughs> God, what is going to happen? Unpredictable chaos. Barely got yes. into that room. <laughs> We missed Sandy, you know? We just wanted to hang out with Sandy in the forest. You did. Sandy had to be dispatched. <laughs> Sandy, you're not seeing her again. Can I point out, if Entangle had worked, if that spell had worked, it would have been it so cool. Like, oh, it only no, worked on one of them. One person. There Save were like me. six of you, and I tried to like get everyone oh, just to get everyone up so I could be like, talk really to me. Nice. But no. It, that would have been great. Everyone rolled really well. I wish that would worked. <laughs> yeah, there was awesome. no middle ground in that really episode. Cool. We were rolling no. really high or really badly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, get that sweet grey area. 
but with it's time but with it's that there will be uh next week uh at the same time so seven o'clock uk time uh some more D action here yes. uh and uh if you haven't uh watched or listened to the first episode that is available on uh all the, all the uh, previously mentioned uh on our podcast and on video but we will say there is a there are a couple of technical issues which as far as we can tell we have been fixed today we actually haven't had any issues with ali's internet in particular it's all been quite smooth and synced it, it jinx it in the last 10 seconds yeah it'll go it'll out. fall apart <laughs> now <laughs> dig, dig. goodbye my friends <laughs> but uh yeah so if you um, do want to go back and catch up then you can do but we will provide a recap next episode yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, of what happened i would also say i think the podcast is slightly easier to listen to Emily them. Bates edited the podcast I wasn't going to say that nice but thank you Shamini I did I took out a lot <laughs> of the pauses where Ali's to delay was messing everything up thank you Emily um, Bates we appreciate it I was being broadcast from one of the moons of Braxigantu that's why <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have done it without you all um yeah so yeah go download the podcast anyway yeah, available on all regular podcast apps probably not all of them but a lot of them. of them most of them if there's the one that we ones. don't have let us know yeah let us know let us know we might do something about it um so yeah well with that i think that's probably a good point to draw uh, close to things um thank you guys for joining me uh well th- thank you uh all of uh, emily and shamani and ali for joining for this discussion because i had a fun time just dorking out about Science. stuff oh, there's so much more to say there is i mean <laughs> and who knows what we'll talk about next week frankly um well, well two weeks even uh there's so many ways you could go with this world there's the characters there's the setting itself there's D as a whole like the powers that we're using um D&D. who knows I, I get the impression that next week something will happen it'll be like oh so we're talking about that then like i need to go <laughs> an hour of research yeah. on you know monks or whatever um so um the science of monks i mean I within our world and how their powers work i was i met there's some <laughs> cool stuff on like mindfulness science yeah uh john kabat zinn did a bunch of stuff didn't he yeah um let's I've... hold it hold sorry it for okay. another time keep that powder dry save the gold yeah. um so yeah thank you thank you for joining those of you who've been on twitch and if you've been listening to this on the podcast or watching on youtube then i hope you enjoyed do let us know spread if you did enjoy the episode then uh, you can do all the normal things like uh rating the podcast liking the video and you can also tell people your D group perhaps uh, about this uh <laughs> experiment that we're doing trying to fuse science communication with D adventuring uh and that makes uh means a great deal basically we'd love to see this project grow and evolve with your uh, lots of feedback and uh, as our characters and our adventure grows um so oh for those of you sorry somebody in chat is just asking the podcast is called dungeons and dragons and science i think that would be the easiest way to find it with probably the first result for all of that yeah or rp geeks yeah that's that's kind of like our our uh, troops name uh, and then the the project is Dungeons and Dragons and Science. Um, so yeah, well, with that, thank you very much for watching. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, goodbye, I guess. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, I guess. Bye, I guess. Bye, I guess. Professionals. I guess. Goodbye, everybody. Always professional. <laughs> <laughs>